Hi, I'm Holden Sherman from Miles of Sports Podcast, and today on Mile 16, I'm going to be giving my Eastern Conference standings predictions for the 2021-2022 NBA season. Coming in at number 15, I've got the Orlando Magic. Magic are a young team, and this year their incentive to play games this year is not to necessarily win, it's to develop players. Last year, on March 25th, on the trade deadline, they got a haul back for Nikola Vucevic, including Wendell Carter, who they inked to an extension last week for four years at $50 million. And they also got two draft picks. One for this past NBA draft, which resulted in Franz Wagner, and also a pick in the 2023 NBA draft, a first-round pick. Franz Wagner and Jalen Suggs were great additions for the Magic in the draft this year. Chumo Okiki last year, um, a power forward for them, showed a lot of promise and development. And what I like about them, and they need to figure this out, but they have a bevy of guards. Jalen Suggs can play. Markel Fultz, who's the oldest guard um, on their team or, um, of the young guards, um, tore his ACL last year. But before that, he was showing promise, and they had inked him to a three-year $50 million extension before last year. So they showed some commitment to him. They also have Cole Anthony and RJ Hampton. And Hampton, who they got in a trade last year with the Denver Nuggets. I really like their potential. I love Mo Bamba, who had a terrific preseason. I love Jonathan Isaac returning. He could really be a two-way wing for them um, with elite defensive potential in his size, six foot nine, six foot ten. Spectacular in his athleticism. He could guard three or four positions on the court at once. Um, tre- tremendous player. I think overall the Magics are in, Magic are in a right direction with a new head coach this year, but it's going to take time, and that's okay. I like I like them, you know, holding the brakes and you know giving up on trying to be mediocre, trying to always be the eighth seed. As they were the seventh seed in two thousand eighteen nineteen, and then the eighth seed in two thousand nineteen twenty, not really going anywhere with a direction. And they they cleaned house, and they've got a lot of tools to figure out what they want to do. And I like it. And number fourteen, I've got the Detroit Pistons. I think the Pistons are going to be a really Really fascinating team this year. They have a bevy of rookies, including Cade Cunningham, first overall pick. They also have Luca Garza. You know, they also um, have Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Livers, um, uh, Isaiah Stewart is spectacular. Showed some great promise last year as a rookie. And I also like, and I think this is important for young teams to also have a balance of um, veteran players. I was concerned that they were going to go just young players when they traded away Miles Plumley. Uh, Mason Plumley, excuse me, on draft day, but they just replaced him with Kelly Olynyk, who fits Cade Cunningham's game better as he can space the floor better than Plumley can. They also still have Jeremy Grant, who was a 20-point-per-game scorer last year for them and the year before. Um, he signed with the Pistons. He was um, a prominent part of the Denver Nuggets team that went all the way to the conference finals in the 2019-2020 NBA season. I think overall, I like their pieces, and I think that by the end of the season, they'll be a much better team than what they started, but they're going to have a lot of growing pains, and giving the keys to the offense to a young rookie like uh, like Cade Cunningham will take an adjustment period, but um, and they also have Killian Hayes, who showed some promise at the end of last year, but I think overall, um, they've still got a lot of work to do, and time is what they need. At number 13, I've got the Cleveland Cavaliers. Again, the Cavs last year were not as bad as um, as their record showed, especially at the start of the year where they were playing really well. But 
the thing is, the East is so deep this year. I don't also necessarily love the fact that they didn't ink Colin Sexton to an extension or trade him because, you know, there's some uncertainty with his future there and he's um, their most prominent scorer for that team and I think they need to figure that out. They seem really invested in Darius Garland and I think he can um, play at a high level on both ends of the court, which I think will help them. Um, Laurie Markkinen, although I don't think he'll play an extreme amount of minutes, I think he'll play a good chunk and I think he'll help space the floor. Um, for those young rookies and they still have Isaac Okoro who so- showed some flashes last year of being like a really great modern NBA player who can just do a lot of things on the court really well they they have Jared Allen one of my favorite players um, in the NBA I think he's your traditional run dunk jump center and I really like that about his game he's a great um, shot blocker and I think inking him to an extension um, was a great idea especially for five years He'll be a great pick-and-roll partner this year for Sexton and Darius Garland, and I think he'll be really good for them. But, you know, the Cavs, they have defense issues. Um, overall, they're not a, they're a, a bad three-point shooting team, and they don't have a lot of depth. I think Ricky Rubio was a good backup point guard signing. Like, hopefully it gives them a m- more veteran presence to go along with Kevin Love, and Rubio and Kevin Love did play for the Minnesota Timberwolves together back in the day, years ago. But I just... Overall, they just they don't have a star player, um, elite players to for me to rank them higher. Number twelve, I have the Washington Wizards, and again, this attests to how deep the East is because last year they made the playoffs, and I know they traded Westbrook away, but I think they got better this year. Spencer Dinwiddie is fully healthy now after tearing his ACL last year when he was playing for the Nets, um, and they inked to him to a nice three year deal, um, for a reasonable price. Um, Corey Kispert is um going to be great floor spacing for the Wizards, and I think. He's a great building piece. I love Contavious Caldwell-Pope. I consider that a move that is really strategic in trying to convince Bradley Beal to stay um, with with the Wizards, and I, I really like that deal. Uh, Montrezl Harrell can bring great energy. I think there's a lot of players on this team that they acquired this offseason who can really complement Bradley Beal's style. But overall, I'm concerned about their um, ability to shoot the ball at a high level um, and um, just their overall second scorer, um, second creator from three levels. I Dinwiddie's a great scorer um, when it comes inside the paint, but I have my concerns with him when he is a three-point shooter. I believe he shot 34, 36% in 2019-20, his last fully healthy season. Um, and they also inked Daniel Gafford to an extension, and Denny Abdia will be back this year. And I love those young pieces, but I just think that I just think the teams in in the East are better than them, which is, which is again, it's just a test to how good it, good the East is. But I I don't know how this is going to sit with Bradley Beal. He seems committed to the Wizards, and the Wizards seem committed to him. But we'll see what happens this year. And number eleven, I've got the Charlotte Hornets. This year, I think that they'll be a better team. Um, but I like this signing of James Booknight. But at the same time, the extension of Terry Rozier also puzzles me. Because they're not going to play a three-guard lineup where LaMelo Ball, who's the cornerstone of their franchise, um, is playing alongside Rozier and Booknight. Um, they would get destroyed on defense. So I think that they have to make a decision on are they going to trade Rozier or not? Um, or just keep Booknight as an off-the-bench scorer? Do they see LaMelo Ball playing some small forward? That I, I, I think they need to figure that out. I liked Gordon Hayward for them last year. He, they were a playoff team when he was healthy. Um, and until he got, um, and then when he was hurt, they did not play as well. Kelly Oubre is a nice two-way wing. Hopefully he can 
um, get better um, from three than he did last year. He was much, much better in the last, uh, after his first 15 games of the year where he was an abysmal three-point shooter, but I think he'll pick it up a little bit. I like the signing of Miles uh, Mason Plumley, but again, it's just Mason Plumley. He's going to give you some nice pick and roll action and um, some nice um, some nice rebounding statistics, but I don't know how much he's really changing the game. And number 10, I have the Indiana Pacers. With with the talent that they have, they shouldn't be the 10th seed, but I think that that team and the players on it are more motivated than they were last year, and I think that's going to show um, because they did not like, the players did not like Nate Bjorken, their head coach last year, as it is reported, TJ Warren opted not to um, return last year when he had the option to and decided to more fully recover his foot um, injury that he suffered at the beginning of the year last year because of the head coach. I think that um, Sabonis is um, a, the type of player who can put up big numbers on any day. Miles Turner um, is a great shot blocker. I do have concerns about their spacing in their front court with those two, but I think overall they make it up for it in many other ways. Karis Levert was spectacular for them last year um when uh, after um when he was playing for them i thought he was really good he showed some glimpses of how he can run an offense himself and i think that it shows um tremendous promise for for them and i just and my thing with them though is that they don't have enough floor spacing to me i like the signing of uh chris duarte i thought um the the drafting of chris duarte um i think he brings nice um offense um to their team at the guard spot, but they also have Malcolm Brogdon, um, um, who's starting there. But I think Duarte will be able to make um, an immediate impact as he is 23 years old and is considered one of the more polished um, uh, rookies coming out of this year's draft. At number nine, I have the Chicago Bulls. I think it will be an issue when the Bulls go to the ninth seed, but overall, I just, I don't necessarily love the fit on offense. You know, they've got, they've got um, Vucevic, they've got DeRozan, They've got Patrick Williams. They got Lonzo Ball. I don't necessarily like love their offense um, all the time. I think that there's going to be flashes where they're going to just be hitting on all cylinders. Um, a lot of people are speculating, will they be one of the very few teams that have three players average over 20 points per game with DeRozan, Levine, and Vucevic? But, you know, Vucevic is going to stay in the paint the whole time or be on, on the – and is not – or around the perimeter, and he's not the most mobile player in the world. Um, and DeRozan can't really shoot. So I have a lot of questions about them. I love the signing of Lonzo Ball. I think he's really bought in and he's in a place right now where he could decide where he'd want to be. And I think he's going to be really good for them this year. And he's got a nice contract too. Um, I think though, you know, if they, if they fall to the ninth seed and they don't make it in the play-in tournament, you got to be thinking to yourself, if you're a Bulls fan, is Zach Levine going to stay? If I'm Levine though, I have to put the burden on myself to say um, this year because the Bulls did whatever they could in the offseason to provide Levine with the players possible to help him um, perform well because they they were bought into him. They said to him during the offseason, to the, on my understanding of the reports I read, that he needs to improve on defense and the Bulls will improve their team. And the Bulls have definitely done their share. I think Levine is just going to have to lead this team offensively and defensively. And I just I don't know if it will be enough to, to crack the, the, the top eight teams. Okay, now for my top eight. At number eight, I've got the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors may not have the talent of the other teams who who made the playoffs in my projections and some of the teams who 
um, did not make the playoffs. But the Raptors overall have shown continuity as a team. And this year they will be back in Canada. And I think, as Masai Ujiri pointed to, um, that that set the team back um, for last year. And I think it really hurt them. Every single game was a road game for them. And I think being back in Canada um, will bring a lot of um, familiarity to that team that they did not have last year. Gary Trent for them last year averaged, I think, 17 points a game for them. Great fuller spacer for them who can create his own three-point shot um, and is developing his own shot creation skills. Fred Van Vliet last year for the first half of the year was almost an all-star. Pascal Siakam, I give him a pass last year for um, his poor play. He did need to make more game-winning shots and be a better closer down the um, down in the final minutes. But, you know, he was in COVID protocols for a lot of the year. Um, overall, just that team was just discombobulated. They were they had bad COVID with them um, and had to carry that with them. They were not able to figure out the center position. But I think this year they'll have a more stable understanding of how they want to play. I think you'll see some Pascal Siakam at the five and some Chris Boucher um, at the five as well. I'd love to see a lineup of Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent, OG Ananubi, who is projected to have a spectacular le- spectacular leap um, into year five for him, and I think he could be really good this year. Scotty Barnes at the four, who can also handle the ball, and Pascal Siakam at the five. I think that's a really nice modern-day NBA lineup that has a lot to do, and I thought Malachi Flynn, as he started a lot of games for the second half of the year, especially in April, was uh, spectacular last year down the stretch, and I thought he was a great pick for where he was picked last year. Um, I think that um, the Raptors have a lot going for them. I think they're motivated, too, to prove to people that they haven't fallen off the map. And they've, they've performed well without Kyle Lowry um, in recent years. And I know that their emotional leader is gone, but they still have um, some players who are um, major contributors to that championship team. They've got Pascal Siakam. They've got uh, Fred Van Vliet leading the crew. And I, I love their style of offense. If they start that um, or play that um, starting five, that – that lineup I was talking about, it'll give them a lot of floor spacing and the ability to switch um, on um, with many players as Van Vliet as a point guard is um, a rock when it comes to on defense. He, he's spectacular. I think Gary Trent can move a little bit. OG Ananobi can, can, can guard positions two through four. I think overall, I like where the Raptors are going and I thought they're retooling this offseason by making sure that they didn't lose Kyle Lowry for nothing as they got Precious Achua back who could be um, a great a piece, possibly playing some sentiments for them as well. Um, he could be a great alley-oop threat, um, and I like that. And if they keep Gordon Drogic, he could be a nice veteran presence, but I'm unsure of how, how much he'll be playing with them. At number seven, I've got the Philadelphia 76ers. Again, with the Sixers, I'd like to believe that Ben Simmons gets traded soon or that this all resolved itself, but nothing is pointing to it. A lot of executives before the year felt that Simmons was going to get traded, and now we're on day two of the NBA season, and nothing has occurred. So I'm skeptical that anything will be fixed um, anytime soon, and and if it does, are they going to get a player back for his caliber? I know some teams know that what Simmons is doing right now is for antics to try to get him traded at a faster pace, but still, that leaves a stain in the locker room, and I don't I don't know how much that can really be um, solved over. I'm really skeptical about it, and they don't have a ball handler to me. I think Tyrese Maxey is a little too young to take over point guard roles, and I think MB can run the offense but only run it for so much. You need someone to give him the ball, and 
Ben Simmons, if he's there, he's obviously not going to be 100% bought in as he's been suspended for tonight's game. But I just, I don't think the Sixers are going to be the team they are and they were last last year. I think that um, I like their form and on, format offensively, which is surround um, a bunch of creators and a bunch of shooters around Joel Embiid. Um, but I just think that they don't have that secondary, like another secondary primary score um, or primary shot creator for other people. And I, I think they really need that. At number six, I've got the New York Knicks. A lot of people are expecting um, a steady downfall by the Knicks this year, but I think that they've shown um, that they are very bought in this year. And I like the offense uh, offseason moves that they made this year to show that they were bought in. Um, signing Kemba Walker to that deal um, was, was a bargain. And then going all in on Evan Fournier to help create, help um, continue to add more shot creators, which I thought was re- really smart. RJ Barrett is destined for a breakout um, a breakout year and to continue building off of his strong second half of the season. Julius Randle, I know he did not play well in the playoffs last year, but again, the Knicks didn't have that many shot creators last year and the offense was predicated around him. And I think that, you know, with more pieces around him, there's going to be less pressure on him and teams who have claimed to figure him out will not be able to because the Knicks have much, many more shot creators um, than, than they did last year. And I like the re-signings of Nerlens Noel, Derek Rose and Alec Burks. I think that keeping that veteran core together and also re-signing Taj Gibson will be a nice vocal presence off the, um, in the locker room. I thought that was a really good move. Um, the New York Knicks in the preseason have shot a lot of threes and I expect that to continue. Um, and I expect their defense to, um, stay elite with Tom Thibodeau and that crew really, really, um, bought in, um, players like Emmanuel quickly will be more, even better this year. And I think Obi Toppin gives them great energy and will build off of, um, his rookie year after a little bit of doubts and skepticism about how he was playing. I think overall the New York Knicks are heading in the right direction and you think they'll continue to be um, a strong team this year. And number five, I have the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics to me did not redo the roster this year, but they did retool it. You know, they signed Dennis Schroeder at point guard for the mid-level exception of 5.9 million. And I thought that was um, a good deal. You can kind of get some of the production you got out of Kemba Walker, but with a little bit more health, um, with less health issues, um, and stronger defense. And I think Schroeder will not be demanding the ball as much. I think this will give um, Jason Tatum more of the keys of the offense than ever. Jalen Brown is healthy this year. Um, and I like Al Horford because he understands that system. I've been with the Celtics for three years after leaving them for the past two years. Um, I, I really like, um, I like Ime Udoka, their head coach. I think he's got a lot of experience um, and knows how to win. And I think that signing Marcus Smart long-term should help show, um, uh, keep that, that core together. I think overall last year just wasn't a great year for them. They didn't have the biggest hiatus from the bubble as they did make it to the conference finals. I don't think that helped them. Kemba Walker's knee injury was kind of a distraction and it took too long to kind of um, get him integrated into the team and it just never worked out. But I think um, also I love Robert Williams, um, great pickup, Ennis Cantor. Also knows that system too. Aaron Neesmith, um, Peyton Pritchard, some young players um, that I like for them. I think overall Boston's um, going in the right direction. I think last year was just a little bump in the rough. And number four, I've got the Miami Heat. This is where I get into the teams who I think are um, above the best, these top four teams. 
The signing of Kyle Lowry in itself was a great move last year because he really um, embodies what it means to be a Heat player with his toughness, um, his ability to take a charge and take one for the team. He can also create his own shot to an extent. He's a veteran. He's, he's a champion. Um, he knows what it takes to play in uh, tough games with high stakes. He knows how to take criticism as throughout Lowry's career until recently, a lot of people have criticized his um, how he plays in the playoffs, but I think that you know he knows what it takes. I think the signing of P.J. Tucker, too, was an excellent move by their front office. And I think that, again, he also embodies what it means to be um, be tough. I think one of the reasons why the Bucks won the finals last year was because of P.J. Tucker. And I think that his presence, which is another veteran championship pres- presence, will help them a lot, too. I think he um, is also going to be better from three this year as he struggled a little bit last year. I think that will really help them. And I think their offense, although lacking a primary go-to scorer, as Jimmy Butler can score for you, but again, he does not shoot it well from three. I think that um, their offense has a lot of um, positives to it. Bam Adebayo can create his own shot inside um, and has some playmaking abilities. And they re-signed Duncan Robinson for five years, $90 million, which I thought was... Um, a great signing, and I think he'll be able to play off of Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry really well, running off screens. Tyler Harrow seems destined for um, a better um, year than he had last year after um, being um, after having high expectations from last year. But I think overall the Heat Heat are Heat are a good team, and you know they can give any team on any night um, a tough matchup. And number three, I have the Atlanta Hawks. I wouldn't be surprised if the Hawks win 55 games this year. I think how they play, which is very upbeat, and they've got a lot of scores um, along with Trey Young, um, with uh, Bogdanovich, and you know they've got Kevin Herter can, who can shoot the three well. Danilo Gallinari was excellent for last year for them after uh, many were skeptical of the duration of his contract and how much he was signed for. I thought he was really tremendous. Um, overall, um, DeAndre Hunter... Um, showed some great flashes last year. I think he was averaging 17 points a game in the regular season in the limited games he played. Clint Capella was a great partner for Trey Young. I think Trey Young will adjust to the new um, uh, foul rules, so I'm not really concerned about um, his performance, as a lot of people are concerned. Will he be able to adjust to the new rules? But I think he'll be okay. I think that the Hawks um, know what it takes to win now. I don't. I'm not saying that I think they're going to win the, the finals or anything, but I think that Trey Young will be even better this year. He established that he can he can beat anyone. I mean, if you think about that Buck series, who knows if the if the Hawks win it if Trey Young isn't hurt in game three. He put up fifty points, fifty or forty nine points in game one versus them, and the Bucks were fully healthy. Um, I think that I think their team overall, led by Trey Young and his ability to create for others and create for himself. If he can get a little bit more efficient, they could be a potent, lethal team that is very deep. And they got even deeper this year in the draft where they, when they drafted Jalen Johnson and Sharif Cooper. And number two, I've got the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks last year, I thought, had a tremendous um, regular season. Obviously, they won the championship, but I thought they did a good job experimenting with a lot of lineups, um, uh, giving um, the Bucks like, the ability to learn more from their mistakes as in the previous two regular seasons in 2018-19 and 2019-20 they coasted to the one seed 
And I think they rested Giannis too much, which did not help them in the playoffs. But I think last year, how they played in the regular season is one of the reasons why they won the championship last year. Drew Holiday obviously was a great pickup last year and was obviously worth it as they won the championship. But this year, especially after last night's game, um, the first of the season, they 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 have this. They're very deep at guard. Dante Givincenzo is not even back yet from injury, and Grayson Allen is they they have who they inked to an extension recently, who can really shoot the ball and starting to create a shot. And Jordan Nawara, who played spectacular yesterday, he had fifteen points, including three three pointers. I thought he was really good last last night, and I think that they're showing that they're a really deep team. I think that when it comes to the playoff time, I think they're going to miss PJ Tucker a lot, um, as his veteran presence and his toughness is something that is hard to duplicate. But you know the Bucks—they've got the reigning Finals MVP, and Giannis Antetokounmpo is still not proven to be to be stopped, even if the the Nets had um, their injuries last year versus them. The 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 Bucks still won, and I think that you know you know they they earn that respect of being a top two team. Middleton is shown to be an elite closer. I know sometimes he has, from game to game, he's not always the most consistent, but when it boils down to important moments, important games, he always shows up. As a result, Look, think about game six last year of the 2021 NBA Finals, where in the fourth quarter, he, he for sure took over in those final minutes. And at number one, I have the Brooklyn Nets, the team the Bucks beat in the conference semifinals last year um, in the East. The thing with the Nets it's obviously they have a glaring question over them, which is when and will Kyrie Irving play? I think that at some point, I don't know when Kyrie Irving will play and report to the team, and I think that will help them a lot. But I think their depth is, is spectacular la- this year. A lot of questions last year that that team had was about their size, and I think they addressed that. And I love the contrast that they have down low with their with their bigs. You know, they've got Claxton, who's a young, um, young center who can block shots and rebound and um, catch alley-oops. And then they've got some more um, veteran players like Blake Griffin down low who started for them last night. And they've got LaMarcus Aldridge who knows that system. Um, and they've got Paul Millsap, again, who, a player who knows how to win. And I, I like what I like what they have down there, um, d- down low. I like Cam Thomas. I'd like to see him get a lot of minutes, especially with Kyrie Irving not starting. Bruce Brown is also a nice defender and he can play off. He can play multiple positions, including even center. Um, he played some center for them last year in the playoffs. They've got Kevin Durant, who is, as shown over the summer with the Olympics, is still um, the same player he is and shown last year in the playoffs. He's still spectacular. James Harden gets a full year to be with the Brooklyn Nets, including a training camp in a preseason. I think overall the Nets are going to be really good this year. And I think even without Kyrie Irving, I think they'll still be able to be a one seed. Because, you know, when you have two top top seven, some would argue top five, I'd argue top five or six, um, players in the league, it doesn't matter sometimes what's around you, but you know, the Nets even have, have a lot of depth around them, which makes them such a great team. And then, and I can't forget to discuss about Joe Harris, who, um, is a spectacular floor spacer and what he needs to has learned to create his own shot. I'm Holden Sherman from Miles of Sports Podcast, and this wraps up Mile 16 where I give my Eastern Conference standing predictions for the 2021-2022 NBA season. On mile 17, next time, I will be giving my Western Conference standing predictions for the 2021-2022 season. Have a nice day and see everyone on mile 17.